Good morning everyone. So today I am speaking to you and I haven't done it before so have mercy on me please. <laughs> I'm Imkia. I'm married to Daniel, part of the church. We've been going for, or coming for about two years now and we've got three daughters, Jessie, Kathy and Sally. Um, we're going to start off with a little mini quiz about our topic today which is dreams, God's night parables. So we're going to look at dreams in the Bible, how you remember them, if you remember them and there's mo it's mostly multiple choice so you'll be all right so you've got to grab your pen and paper that you should have ready and uh, we're gonna get started so as you see on the slide uh, dreams in the bible question number one is how many references to dreams are there in the bible um, is it a 50 b 100 c 150 or d 200 take your pick Moving on to question number two. How much of scripture relates directly or indirectly to a dream? Is it A, a sixth? Is it B, a quarter? C, a third? Or D, half? Okay, moving on. This is about dreamers in, in the Bible itself. So question number three is, who had the most recorded dreams in the Bible? Was it A, Joseph, husband of Mary? Was it B, Daniel? Was it C, Joseph, son of Jacob, or was it D, Abraham? Have a think, and on to question number four. This is 50-50, so it'll be even easier. So this is a true or false question. You have to say whether this statement is true or false. There are more dreams recorded by non-believers than believers in the Bible, but we are not counting multiple dreams by the same individual, so keep that in mind. So. Is it true or false? There are more dreams recorded by non-believers than believers in the Bible. Not counting multiple dreams by the same individual. So we'll just go through the answers now. How many references to dreams are there in the Bible? The answer is D, 200. And question number two, how much of scripture relates directly or indirectly to a dream? The answer is actually C, a third. Now the dream is in the Bible. I hope you all know that the answer is A, Joseph, husband of Mary, had four dreams, most of which were warning dreams or like directional dreams, God giving him direction of what to do. And on to the last question, number four, was it true or false? The answer is it is true. Um, you might argue with me about some of these who I've classified as non-believers, but we've got Abimelech in the Old Testament who got warned by God. We've got Laban, again, warned by God. In the story of Joseph, we've got the cupbearer, the baker and Pharaoh. We've got the soldier in Gideon with the bread rolling down the hill. We've got Nebuchadnezzar, the wise men who I've counted as non-believers because there is no, nothing to indicate that they were believers. So we'll shove them in the non-believer <laughs> section for now. And Pilate's wife. So that was nine of them versus the believers. So we've got Abraham had a dream. Jacob had two dreams. Joseph had two dreams. Solomon had a dream. Daniel had a dream. And the aforementioned Joseph had, having four. So... That's six people with 11 dreams. So the answer is true. Um, the reason I'm doing this talk today is because I've always been fascinated by dreams. I have had many dreams as a child and particularly one that I vividly remember is when I was about eight or nine, I think, I dreamed that I was walking through this misty place and there was a canal boat. We were in Holland, remember? <laughs> and there was people dancing on this deck. So I was really intrigued and I approached and looked at it and um, I ended up on the deck I think and this massively tall man faceless in the sense that I couldn't focus on his face not that he was decapitated said to me um, he came up to me and he says Imkia I'm your real 
father in Dutch obviously and I knew it was true in the dream and when I woke up from the dream I was convinced this man had told me the truth so when I woke up I thought I'm adopted <laughs> so I ran downstairs and I yanked my mum's arm in the kitchen and I was like mum mum am I adopted and she was like no you're not and I was like come on mum you can tell me <laughs> it's okay and, and she said no you're not adopted like you're my child and I was so confused I like I can just remember my confusion of thinking but the man told me the truth he was my real father I, I, and I didn't make sense of it at the time but of course now I look back and realize that was God coming to me in a dream saying I am your spiritual father and um Pretty much most of my early Christian life was me confused and I would often write in my journal things like God I know you're speaking but I don't understand what you're saying and so four or five years ago roughly I came across this ministry um, who were doing a lot of prophetic conferences and things like that and they had a whole section of conferences and books and things about dream interpretation so I was fascinated thinking great you know I want to learn more about this so a lot of what you're going to hear today is based on things that I've picked up from that particular ministry and I'll be sourcing that at the end. You can have a look. So, um, the first thing we're going to do as a quick overview of what we're looking at today, uh, we're going to look at what do the scriptures say about dreams and the difference or the distinction between a vision and a dream. Why does God talk to us in dreams? Who is talking? Um, the soul versus the spirit, this is just in relation to interpretation and some dream interpretation testimonies from our family, so mine and Daniel's and even Jessica has a featured dream in there and how those dreams have affected us and um, how we've seen God move through those dreams in our lives. So, as you're probably aware, I think, is that in the ancient Near East dreams were uh, highly valued by people, they considered them usually communication from a deity so even the average person to the you know pagan oracles these people considered dreams to be extremely valuable if you compare that to nowadays that's not the case at all um, usually you know we talk about our friends about this crazy dream we had or you know I had a pizza dream and these strange things happened um, and some of that ties back to Aristotle who obviously said that um, anything that isn't tangible isn't relevant and this idea that that which has substance is real and so spiritual things are unknowable so we don't concern ourselves with these things it's the material world that matters and dreams are just out there and we don't consider them to be all that important so that is I think one of the reasons why we don't look at dreams in the same way and we've been very heavily influenced here in the West by that sort of Greek mindset so compared to many of the Hebrews in Jesus day that wasn't the case at all obviously they believed that apparently if you went a week without God speaking to you through a dream he was not happy with you <laughs> and that kind of concept and idea continued on in, even into the early church father time in history so we know from Numbers 12 where God is speaking and he says hear my words if there is a prophet among you I the Lord make myself known to him in a vision I speak with him in a dream so here we have God directly saying you will have dreams and I'll be speaking to you and particularly for prophetic people or people who may be so inclined God will be speaking even more so through your dreams and so we're moving on to the next slide you'll see lots of references to how the Bible talks about dreams and visions and it can seem very confusing you know visions of my dreams dreams of my vision a dream a vision of the night and um, so we're just going to define here what we're talking about when we're saying a dream what is 
a dream. Essentially, a dream is a spiritual encounter in which most, if not all, of the images seen are metaphoric and symbolic in nature, and therefore in need of interpretation. So I found it interesting looking at that verse in Joel again about the day of the Lord and saying, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams and your young men will see visions. And I always thought, why do all the old men get the dreams? And what's, <laughs> what's up with that? And it could simply be an indication again of maturity levels that people who are more mature in the faith have an ability to understand um, divine symbolism, perhaps in a way that a young person in the faith wouldn't. And so a vision, what is a vision? And this is not just limited to being awake. You can have a vision in a dream too. I've had a few. Um, and so what that is essentially saying is a spiritual encounter in which most, if not all, of the images seen are more literal and thereby requiring very limited interpretation, if any. So that's something to keep in mind. So we ask ourselves, <laughs> why does God do this? Why the mystery? Why do we need to interpret dreams? Why doesn't God just speak clearly to us? You know, he could if he wanted to. And so I'll quote you Proverbs. It's again a very common verse. People know this that it's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search them out. And we all know that in the New Testament, we're considered priests and kings to God. And so he's not doing this to annoy us. He's doing this to cause us to seek after him, to look for him, to pay attention. And of course, when we think of Jesus with the parables, it was no different. I think if you'd asked the average unbeliever on the street why Jesus spoke in parables, they would have said that he was trying to make things easy to understand. But he says, in fact, the exact opposite of that. He says that he's saying these things that people may not see, that, they, that they're hearing it, but they may not understand. So God is no stranger to hiding himself. And um, this next slide is, is a little quote from one of the books about dreams. It's called Dream Stories. And this is Michael B. French. And he says, many people desire God to speak the clearest and the loudest during our times of greatest difficulty. Yet it's often more common for these to be the times when he speaks the most quietly. When we want God to shout, he whispers. And by nature, we have to draw close to someone when they are whispering to us. Moving on. So this is the section about who is talking. So we should ask ourselves, of course, are all dreams from God? And the short answer is no. It's generally agreed by the early church fathers and from then onwards that dreams generally come from three sources. So we've got God, who's an external source. We've got the enemy, who's also external. And then we've got our souls, which is the internal um, thing speaking, essentially. So often dreams that are from your soul, they reflect the desires and the longings of your own will, mind and emotions. So it's not uncommon, for example, for someone who desperately wants a baby to have a dream about them having a baby. Um, I, in fact, had a dream that I was an apprentice to my favourite writer, you know, that was a sole dream about my desperate desire of something and I woke up and I laughed and I thought, great, you know, that's showing what's going on in my heart. And so, again, why would God allow us to have dreams from the enemy? Because they can be fear-inducing, they can be horrible. Um, and so in Jeremiah, it references those prophets who have lying dreams, as, it, as they call it, um, but we can use even those dreams sometimes to show the plans of the enemy. And so in those cases, and often these are very dark dreams, so they'll be almost black and white. And when you get a dream like that, you can literally pray the opposite of whatever that dream is showing. And that's still useful. It still gives us a tool and an avenue for prayer. So we should never discount dreams. Even ones from the enemy could be useful to us in some ways. And of course, Joseph says that as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. So that of course applies. 
Now I'm going to have a really short section here just talking about soulish dream interpretation. And we all know that when you have you know, a note, uh, like a, a 20 pound note, that fake note, people who um, have to tell the fake from the real thing have to study and look at the real thing. You don't have a course in looking at fake notes, you have a course in studying the real note so that you can spot the inconsistencies with the fake thing. And there was a time in particularly the second half of the 20th century, we've had Freud, we've had Jung, and we've had Pearls come on the scene. And these guys also talked about dreams, and particularly Jung has a whole framework for dream interpretation, which originally the church got very excited about. They took on board, they sort of um, said, great, now we can interpret our dreams, and then things went a bit haywire, and now a lot of churches say, we don't want to get anywhere near this stuff, because we've tried it and it didn't work. And the problem there is that essentially these guys didn't consider the spiritual significance of dreams. They saw it always coming from your soul. All dreams are from your soul. You know, God is not involved. The devil is not involved. It's just you. And an easy way, again, of looking at it is to think we've got some, some dreams in the Bible where we have both the dream and the interpretation. And using these frameworks from these guys, you will never reach the interpretation that scripture gives. So we know something's not right there. We have both the dream and the interpretation in scripture. And if that doesn't align, then we're not talking about biblical dream interpretation. So we are hoping to do something else. So for us, um, here's a few scriptures that you'll see um, from Corinthians and also one in Genesis, where it's talking about the difference between us relying on the Holy Spirit versus our, our souls telling us how to improve ourselves, which is what they believe. Because it says, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. And Joseph, he says to Pharaoh, do not interpretations belong to God. So it's super duper important for us that we only rely on the Spirit's wisdom. And without him, we can't hope to understand dreams at all. Like forms and formulas are just useless. And God is not going to allow us to become proud and self-sufficient in these things. So we should always come to him in humility and when asking for interpretation. So without his guidance, we can't interpret dreams but with his guidance, the interpretation is both possible and a source of life, strength and hope for the people who, who understand God is talking to me and he's saying something important. When it comes to dream interpretation, there is logic that is implied that God leaves patterns through metaphors and parables and proverbs. And we see this in dream interpretation as well. So there is a sense of order when it comes to this um, business. And um, I was very relieved because I don't like waffly things or things, you know, subjective things where, oh, well, I think it means this and somebody else thinks it means something else. No, this idea is like you look at the symbols within dreams, you look at the context within dreams. And if you have 10 people looking at that dream, we should all be at least interpreting the basic concept in the same way. And so I find that very helpful and makes it to me more legitimate where it doesn't become some wishy-washy thing where we all have our own interpretive meanings for things. Um, so in addition to that, with God's logic, so Jesus speaking in parables, he often used the familiar themes that they had in their day, you know, the fishermen and the farmers and all those people. For us, of course, we've got smartphones and we've got cars and we have all these other things going on. And so don't discount a dream just because it's showing something familiar from your life, maybe from the day before. That doesn't mean that the dream has become irrelevant. It's still important to pay attention to it. 
and we should always focus on the details and the context of the dreams and you'll see that in the next section as we look at a few dreams like in, in more detail and I've got a picture there of a smartphone being left behind because it's also to show that even dream symbols and things they'll change over time you know now we might say I use my smartphone to pay my bills and so losing your smartphone which in the past would have meant something completely different now could mean a whole new thing as society changes as symbols change you're going to have to look at even dream interpretation in a new way and, and try to understand what God's speaking and saying to us. So the first groom dream you're going to experience today is actually about snakes. Um, so this dream was, um, I think it's a few years ago now, um, Kathy was just born and very young and in, it was a very dark dream so it, there was almost no light at all and I was walking through this swampy area and it was muddy and, and, and horrible and I could see movement under the water and there's all these uh, snakes and so I turned to Daniel who was next to me and I said to him quick get Kathy out the water and so he pulled her up out the water and carried her for the rest of the dream above his head and as we continued deeper the water got deeper and deeper and it was up to like about my chest and I could feel something behind me kind of nibbling my backside and I thought Oh, this isn't good. So I grabbed behind me and because I thought it's one of these snakes. And when I tried to reach for it and, 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 and wrestle with it, it bit me in the backside really hard. And I, then I woke up. <laughs> so um, you could ask yourself, you know, what's that all about? And we know from uh, usually, so essentially when you're dealing with snakes in dreams, it often means that you're being confronted or harassed by lies, accusations or distortions. And we could ask, well, why is that? because obviously the Garden of Eden, the serpent is the craftiest animal around. It's as well a play on words. So they have a very long tail. Think of the tails in T-A-I-L. But also they are telling long tails. You know, liars, they deceive through lots of words and useless information that they, they give to you. And so when I had the dream, I thought to myself, okay, um, I'm going to be confronted with something that I can't see because it was under the water, it was unseen, it's going to come from an angle, I'm not going to see it coming, and it's going to have an impact on me. Um, but at the same time, Kathy would be safe, and I, didn't, I wasn't sure what Kathy was about. But what then happened is three days later, I was, <laughs> I was very tired. <laughs> I was essentially contacted by a scam artist who pretended to be my internet provider, who then gained access to my laptop and nearly emptied our savings account which was full of the money we'd saved from the maternity allowance for Cathy. And thankfully, the fraud team intercepted the payment so we didn't lose all our savings. But I obviously had to replace my laptop. I was very shaken and like upset about the whole thing. So I was still impacted by it, but like the dream had said, Cathy, Cathy was safe essentially. And it was such a comfort for me because I was freaking out so much talking to the bank and to the fraud team and feeling so confused. And as I was sitting there, I thought, this is the snake dream. Like God tried to warn me about this. He said this was going to happen and he told me it was going to be okay. So I don't have to worry about this. And it really helped me to calm down and also to know that, yeah, I, God was warning me. That was a warning dream from him to tell me that something was going to come and affect us in that way. So that was a snake dream. We're moving on to the next one, which is um, actually a Jessica dream. So Jess came downstairs and she said, Mommy, Mommy, I had a dream. I dreamed that I grew a third set of teeth. And I thought, fantastic. This is, this is great stuff. Um, 
And I knew that was from God because I feel like it's the first dream from God because most of our other dreams are about unicorns and biscuits and all sorts of things going on. But essentially, usually when people have, and I have many of these, if you have dreams where your teeth are falling out, this is not so much um, something you can find directly in scripture, but it's just something, again, thinking about what do you do with your teeth? You are digesting, you are breaking things down in order for you to be able to um, handle it. And so when your teeth start falling out or your teeth start um, getting chipped or things like that, it can often indicate that you'll feel like you're losing a sense of understanding of what's going on. And so in this case, this is actually like a positive case because she's growing a third set of teeth, which is impossible. These things obviously you don't uh, grow a third set of teeth. But I knew that, again, three is the symbol for the Trinity. Three comes in dreams a lot, that, that number tends to come up time and time again. And also this idea of, and it's, it's also interesting that in real life, your last teeth to come through are your wisdom teeth, aren't they? And then she, by implication, what this was saying is that God is going to give her an ability to understand and to and not, not digest, but grasp essentially the things of God, even at the, such a young age. And it was really nice to tell her like, oh, that's a great dream, Jess. That means God's going to give you, you know, wisdom to understand things about him. And she was like, yeah, that's great. <laughs> so that was, that was really good. That was Jess's dream. Um, the next one is, I, I wonder if how many of you will relate to this one, but it's about flying in a dream. And I remember even as a child having many flying dreams. So I would have a dream where I um, was on the top of the stairs and there was three levels and I was learning how to fly down the stairs and first I was using all sorts of props and things to go down but by the end I was able to do it all by myself with my arms outstretched and I was really enjoying myself and so the idea is of course the air often represents the spirit we know that even the word spirit means breath or wind and often in dreams the air or things in the air can represent things of the spirit and so usually someone flying in a dream is an indication that they can move um, in the spirit realm and rise above earthly problems. And so this tends to be the case apparently for people who are more prophetically inclined. They tend to have more flying dreams of that nature. And also, and I would say this is true based on the dreams that I've compared with my family members, that when you're more prophetically inclined, you tend to have a lot of extrinsic dreams, which essentially means the dream is not about you. So you're dreaming. So I have many dreams where I'm kind of floating from a high and I'm looking down at a scene and I'm watching something happen and I'm not doing anything the whole dream, I'm just watching. And so I wake up from that dream and I pray because I'm like, okay, well, that's God telling me something about someone or something and he wants me to pray about that situation. And so then I do. So again, it's a good... It's an, it's always, uh, I feel like dreams are always another door for you to pray about something. So if you're ever bored of like thinking, oh, what should I pray about? Then your dreams will, will tell you like what to focus on and what to, what to pray about. And it needs to be said, of course, that every person who knows Jesus has the ability to fly. So you don't need a flying dream to feel validated that, you know, God, that you can move in the spirit essentially. So don't be worried if you don't have any flying dreams, just... Uh, maybe ask God to send you a flying dream and then you can enjoy that. So now we're going to talk about a dream that Daniel, my husband, had um, who doesn't who doesn't dream a lot, he doesn't have a lot of dreams, but this one was very impactful and um, so in this dream he was sitting in his car standing or, or he was parked on top of a hill and he was looking out in the distance and he saw this huge storm coming and so obviously he freaked out, he thought I better get out of here. So as he tried 
to um, get out of part, move the car to get out of the storm, he turned his head and he realized suddenly that he wasn't in the driver's seat, he was in the back seat of the car, on the passenger side. So he climbed to the front of the car in a desperate attempt to get out of, away from this storm and he was too slow essentially. The storm was upon him, it came much faster than he realized and the, the roof of the car got ripped off, he got sucked out into this storm and he screamed and he was like, I'm going to die! <laughs> and, uh, and he was really scared and then he landed on a grid and that was the, that was the dream he had. Um, again, it, it felt very traumatic for him, <laughs> this dream that he had. And um, this dream then in fact happened to him because essentially what it was, it was a warning dream from God where he was saying to him, you know, something is coming that is going to disrupt and bring chaos and be, confu you know, be very confusing for you. But, you're, but the correction is God is saying you're not in the driver's seat. He, he, he found himself in the passenger back seat and he had to scramble to get back into the driver's seat. So that's a gentle correction where God is saying you need to be really in charge of your, of your not just your life but your spiritual life also and be in charge of where you're going. And if you had been in the driver's seat you could have maybe perhaps avoided this storm. Um, the end result is of course that the roof gets ripped off. A roof is something that protects you, something that covers you gets ripped off and he gets sucked out into this storm and he thinks he's going to die and in this um, cars can represent things like your job, your ministry, your calling, anything of that nature and in this case it was actually relating to Daniel's career because not long after this dream the protection that or the favour he'd had with his employer completely left and he had to leave the job essentially and then bizarrely he's had several I would say in the two employment situations he's been since then something very similar happened where again he's kind of not felt protected by the people who have employed him and to the point that he's gotten to the stage now where he feels that he his career was going to end he thought he was going to die he wasn't of course going to literally die um, and again someone dying in a dream could mean that something that an era or a time period is coming to an end and it doesn't always have to be a bad thing because for example death to self could be something reflected in your dream and that's a positive thing we don't want to stop that so in this case Daniel felt like he was um, like his career was ending and as some of you might know he actually tried to leave his profession over during Covid and um, was unsuccessful because of COVID. <laughs> so he had to go back into trying to find a job. And the, but the ending of the dream for me was the key thing. And I couldn't, I couldn't make sense of this for a long time. And I remember praying about it, saying to God, there's gotta be something of hope in this, that you're giving him hope somehow. And it ended up being that final bit where he lands on a grid. And I was like, a grid, what's up with that? And you've gotta then think of uh, play on words. When somebody's off the grid, it means they are unavailable, it means you can't reach them. And if I could sum up Daniel <laughs> in his work situation over the last several years, it's definitely he was unavailable. He was working till late at night, he was very stressed, he didn't have time for the family, often he didn't have time for church even, he didn't have time for anything. And the promise of the dream was that he was going to land back on the grid, meaning he's going to become available again. He's going to be open to not just communication with God, but we found since then also in real life, like he gets home at a reasonable time now, he's had time to spend with me and with the kids. And so it's been just a dream that I've had to hold on to because I felt like, yes, you know, he will land on the grid. 
this stage and this season's gonna gonna move on and we're gonna have Daniel available to us again. And that has happened, that is a thing that has happened, particularly recently, but you're talking over a period of quite a long time before I would say that this dream manifested, shall we say. So don't just ignore a dream because it, you know, something doesn't happen immediately. It could well be years before you look back and think, wow, that was God speaking, but it wasn't gonna happen for a while. So to keep that in mind, Okay, so we're going to um, now look very briefly at the the difference or the, the connection between dream interpretation and the prophetic in particular. Because I would say that um, prophetic gifting is about the seeing and perceiving things that are in the spiritual realm and dreams exist in that same realm. And so many of the revelatory gifts, so the prophetic, the discerning of spirits, words of knowledge, things of that nature, they rely strongly on a sense of knowing and a kind of an impression often that you might have of something. And it doesn't have to be even very, a very strong impression. But what we're trying to learn when we are growing in our gifting in the prophetic is how to trust and to act on those impressions and that sense of knowing that God can give and it's actually very similar to a dream like when you have a dream about your house and you're in a house and in the dream it doesn't look anything like your house but you know it's your house it's that sort of a thing I would say that I have no better analogy than how the prophetic works you're you're maybe praying with somebody and you just know something that you wouldn't otherwise know and if you then start to rationalize and question and think well you know there's no way I could possibly know these things then you'll never act on it and so this is I guess my little challenge to, to pay attention to those impressions and to that sense of knowing that God's going to give. And if you learn to pay close attention to your dreams, you'll find that that, that confidence in that knowing is going to grow. Um, so dream interpretation opens the way for the general training in the prophetic, I would say, and the understanding of metaphors and God's picture languages in, in the Bible itself. So to conclude... Um, his first point is that <laughs> everyone dreams. You know, your neighbors have dreams. I don't know if your cat has dreams, but <laughs> everybody that, every person you know has dreams all the time. And um, so, and God is speaking to them too, whether they realize that or not, and whether we are aware or not, God is speaking to us. And so he speaks to us through dreams. And even if it's the enemy talking, or even if it's our own soul talking, all of those dreams can still be a road for us to communicate with God and to talk to him. So if we have a dream from the enemy that making us afraid, we take that fear to God and we pray. Or if we have a dream about our soul and where we're at and it's not very positive, which I have often, we take that to God and we, and we pray about it. And it's another in your sort of um, quiet time. These are times when you can talk to God about your dreams and what he's been showing you about yourself, maybe in your circumstance, and you can and it will bring you closer to God through those experiences. But they are an invitation. So, you know, you choose what you do with an invitation. You can get an invitation and maybe you're excited, but then you kind of just forget about it. It's on a table somewhere and you just, you don't pay attention to it. Or you look at it and you think, yes, I'm gonna do that. And then still it just ends up by the wayside somewhere. But, so there's an element to which this calls for us to accept it and to grab it and to say, yes, this is from you, God, thank you. I'm going to do something with this because that is the intention of why people send you invites in the first place. They hope you do, they hope you do something with it. Um, so dreams can strengthen our relationship with God by making us ask the Holy Spirit, you know, what are you saying, or what are you trying to say 
um, through these things. And the point is not that we become super skilled dream interpreters. The point is that God, um, the purpose is to be inspired to seek out the deeper things of God because this make, this delights him, this makes him happy. So we should definitely be doing that. So the final thing is to steward what is given to us. Um, you'll find a strange pattern where when you pay attention to your dreams and you write down your dreams, you might find you'll have more dreams. I've found this in my own life and there's been times where I've thought, oh, I'm too tired, I can't be bothered to write this down. I will then go through a period or a season where I get very few dreams. And it's only when I pay attention to my dreams again that I end up getting more and my ability to remember them improves, strangely. So it's that it reminds me of that verse where Jesus says, you know, to whom he who has more will be given and to he who doesn't or him who doesn't have, he, he, what they have can get taken away. So we should always steward what God says to us and to write them down. You know, these could be dreams that God's going to fulfill 10 years from now. So to have the patience and the ability to not feel the pressure of I must in, I must interpret this dream right now and if I don't then you know I don't understand what God is saying I wouldn't worry about that just be faithful in writing down what 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 you dream and pray for God to give you guidance and maybe He'll tell you today and maybe He'll tell you a week from now maybe He'll tell you ten years from now but there is no greater comfort than to know that God is intricately involved in your life and in your family and he knows what's coming and often he warns us and that we can take those and to be encouraged by them and um, so yeah I just I would encourage you to to pay attention to your dreams and let's share this amongst each other let's grow in this gift together because I don't think it needs anybody super spiritual to do it um, and I yeah I just feel like it will be really good for us, for everybody in this community to, to feel valued and treasured, to know that God is always talking to us, even when we're sleeping and, and practically, I guess, not really paying attention. And he's still talking to us then. And so, yeah, this concludes my talk on dreams today. I hope it's been helpful for everyone. And we've got um, a slide with some sources if you're interested in where I got all this information from. And also a few questions, you can go into your special groups and discuss those afterwards. Thank you.